Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class today is dedicated first and foremost in loving memory of Edmund J. Safra Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmad Rafael, Edmon Ezra Safra Ben Esther, Alea Shalom by Mrs. Lily Safra. Hazaku Baruch. We are indebted uh, tremendously to uh, the Safra family for everything that they have given and continue to give uh, with such an open heart and, gen and a generosity of spirit to allow us to have this beautiful oasis of Torah, of spirituality in the concrete jungle. Um, and uh, we, uh, we uh, on this day, we dedicate uh, all of our Torah and our mitzvot, li'ilui uh, nishmato, for his passing. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in honor of Saba and Safta, Nisan ben Ezra, and Lida bat Agdas. May they be blessed with much biryut, simachot nachad, and may they continue to be the light that inspires love and growth. Sponsored by their granddaughter Ariel, Miriam Bat Orli. And finally, breakfast and the class is dedicated in thanks to the esteemed rabbis and the staff for taking care of us with their wisdom, guidance, and patience. May they go from strength to strength in keeping our Jewish values and faith strong and unwavering, sponsored by the Mafar family. Hazaku Baruch. Okay. The Pasuk begins and tells us, Vayeshev Yaakov, and Yaakov settled, he sat. Rashi says something very interesting. Bikesh Yaakov leshev b'shelva. Yaakov desired to sit in peace. He wanted literally to relax. A little bit of comfort. Anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that, right? The Pasuk says that God, the Rashi communicates that God said to Yaakov, Lodayan lasadikim. Is it not enough for the righteous? that they own, that they achieve, that they receive olam haba, that they also want to receive olam hazeh as well. Miyad kafesa alav rogzo shel Yosef. Immediately he was set upon by rogzo shel Yosef, by the anger of Yosef. Rabotai, there's something here which I think is uh, very, very precious. It seems as if Rashi is saying, he's communicating to us that the setup, the premise upon which the story of Yosef and his brothers is built is the Pasuk's words, Vayeshev Yaakov. In other words, had Yaakov not Vayeshevd, had he not sat down, had he not relaxed, the story of Yosef would never have begun to bubble up. And the question is, how, how do we see that in the narrative of the story? Yeah, you know, Yosef himself is the most beloved child of Yaakov Avinu. That has nothing to do with Yaakov uh, being on a lazy boy, or on a, some of you are too young to know what that is, on a lounge chair, right? It's not nothing to do with that, okay? And at the same time, uh, at the same time, you know, uh, uh, it seems to be correlating the two. And that's question number one. Question number two, what is this idea that Rashi says, it's not enough that they have that, they also have that. What does that mean? So, I want to start with an example that's brought by Rabbi Galamidi. A magnificent example. The, the, uh, there's a, 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 an old Arab man sitting, stand, sitting at the Kotel. And this Arab guy, Hazi, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's homeless. And he sees another Jewish guy, also dressed similarly in torn clothes, his shoes are ripped. He sees him tap one Jewish guy on the shoulder at the Kotel, and he whispers something in his ear, 
and the man pulls out a couple of dollars and he gives it to him, a couple of uh, shekel notes and gives it to him. Then he taps the second guy on the shoulder, same thing. He looks, he thinks, wow, what's this guy saying? That people are pulling out dollars and shekel bills and handing him their money. He says, must be a stranger, you know, coincidence. Two minutes later, he sees another Jewish guy tapping a Jewish guy on the shoulder while he's praying. Again, same thing. After he whispers to him, guy gives him a few dollars. Next guy, a few dollars. Anyway, before, before he leaves, before they leave, the Arab guy stands there. And he stops both of them, the Jewish collectors. And he says, tell me, what did you whisper in the guy's ear that made him give you a few dollars? I mean, I can, I, that never works for me. And what did you whisper? He tells the first, the first guy, says, listen, I knocked, I tapped the guy on the shoulder. I said to him, please, you know, my mother was the daughter of the Ben Ishchai, and here I am, I have no money to live, I'm embarrassed. Please, in honor of the great Sadiq, in honor of my grandfather, my mother's father, please, um, could you help me out? I need some money for food. Guy gives the money, he feels bad, Ben Ishchai's grandson, okay. And he says, and what did you say to the other guy? He, he asked the other guy, what did you tell? The other man says, well, I tap people on the shoulder and I tell them, look, um, I'm a Ger Tzedek. I'm someone who went through uh, the process of Jewish conversion. It took a lot of time and a lot of money and I lost my job while I was going through the process. Haven't managed to get my job yet. But I did it in order to be, to be part of the Jewish people. Could you please help me? You know, the Pasuk says, Ahavtemet Ger. All right, the, the Arab guy says, it's brilliant. The first guy they're giving, grandson of the Ben Ishchai. Second guy they're giving, because he's a guy, thinks to himself, scratching his uh, beard, comes up with a plan. He waits a little while till the, the crowd changes. Knocks, uh, walks up slowly, taps some guy on the shoulder, puts on one of the kippahs from the little bin there, taps him on the shoulder and he says, listen, please, you gotta help me. He says, first of all, my mother is the daughter of the Ben Ishchai, the great Sadiq. You can't allow his grandson to be walking around poor. It's not respect for the Sadiq. He goes, and second of all, he says, I'm a Ger Tzedek. I did a conversion. It's very difficult for me. I lost my job. I had to, you know, the Pasuk says, The guy says, Dib, if, you're this, if your mother's the daughter of the Ben Ishchai, how could you be a Ger How could you be a convert? You're automatically Jewish. Obviously you're lying. Obviously you're an Arab guy. Get out of my face. You can't be the bat, the daughter, the son of the daughter, the Ben Ishchai, and also be a convert. It's impossible. Those two things don't correlate. What Rashi is communicating is, it's not that the Sadiq is being uh, 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 jealous. He's not that the Sadiq is being selfish. It's not that the Sadiq is being greedy by asking for olam hazeh and olam haba, but rather that the price of olam haba is olam hazeh. You want to get into Gan Eden? You want to be able to go to the world to come? To the world to come? What's the price that you pay? The price that you pay for the world to come is this world. So you want to sit here and have that? I can't have you have that. Miyad kafetsa alav rogzoshel Yosef. It's not that Yosef's saga with the brothers came because he was comfortable. 
It's that in order to preserve the olam abav, Yaakov, Yaakov needed to struggle. Now, Rabotai, this does not mean that a person needs to be in pain in this world. Be very careful in understanding this. When we say that you can't have olam hazeh and olam abav, it doesn't mean that you can't have olam hazeh, you can't have this world. Of course you could have this world in terms of enjoyment. What you cannot have is comfort here. In Olam Haba, the guy that has everything that he wanted in this world, his heart's desire, he never sweat down here, he cannot have a place there. That's the price of entry. So as an example, you put money, money out of your pocket, you give it to an Ani and that's very hard for you, you gave up some of your Olam Hazeh. You could have bought another beautiful bottle of wine, another suit, another uh, car, another this, another that. You gave that money away. When you've given that money away, you've given away Olam Hazeh for Olam Abba. When you sit there and your children are arguing and you take the time to try and resolve their dispute instead of saying, quiet, daddy's reading. You want to just sit, relax, enjoy yourself but you're engaged in the chinuch of your children, in the relationships of your family, in being there as a dad or as a husband, you gave up some, does that mean that you don't enjoy it? Yes, you're not watching the game. Yes, you're not reading the paper. Yes, you're not looking at your phone. Yes, you're not taking a nap. But is there any greater enjoyment in this world, never mind the next, than being a good father, than knowing that you raised your kids the right way? It's just the ability to look at a longer-term pleasure in this world versus a shorter-term one. Rabotai, when a person loses money because they're being honest, that is giving up olam hazeh for olam haba. When someone is struggling and they manage to maintain their faith, that's giving up olam hazeh for olam haba. Miyad kafetsa alav rogezo shel Yosef. Now it always bothered me this question. The word rogez, what does that mean? We say it in the Tahanunim. Birogez, rahim tiskor. What is birogez? What does rogez mean? Rogez literally means anger, rage. That's what rogez means. So Yaakov is comfortable, jumps up on him, rogezo, the anger of Yosef. What's the anger over here? What, what is this? Why that word? It should say, Machloket shel Yosef, Mechirato shel Yosef. What's the anger of Joseph? And how does that connect to Yaakov's desire to be comfortable here? Rabotai, I learned from this a tremendous lesson in this idea of rogez, the rogez of Yosef. You know, if you had to guess where in the story of Yosef you find anger, where would it be? Anyone want to hazard a guess? Sorry? When he's in the pit? Who says there's anger? You saw any anger there? I find one place of anger in the story of Yosef. And that is the brother's anger towards Yosef. One more time. That is the brother's anger towards Yosef. So it's an interesting term to call it rogezo shel Yosef. I mean, it still is valid, but we're calling it the anger of Joseph, and it really means the anger shown towards Yosef. Now, I just want to parse this 
separate this piece, this, uh, pull the pieces apart, and then put them back together. What was the great anger of the brothers? Sorry? The anger of the brothers was the jealousy. But what specifically was their jealousy? Their jealousy, Rabotai, was not that Yosef would be the leader. You know why? Ultimately, I'm reminded of the words of On Ben Pelet's wife. On Ben Pelet's wife said to him, I don't understand. Why are you getting involved in this war, this machloket between Moshe and Korach? If Moshe wins, who's going to be the leader? Moshe, who are you going to be? Student. If Korach wins, who's going to be the leader? Korach, who are you going to be? Student. So you're a student regardless. What difference does it make who the leader is? You're not moving at all here. There's no interest for you to be involved in this fight. That's what his wife tells him, which is a beautiful, you know, one of those beautiful tafkidim, uh, the jobs of a wife, is sometimes to be the sechel, the wisdom that her husband lacks. We men, we get uh, worked up with the testosterone. Ah, it's an outrage. And, uh, and the wife is like, oh, hey, calm down, have a, coffee. have a cookie. You know, stop being so hangry like they say, you know. This combination of hunger and angry, right? Stop being so hangry. I'm going to make you some food. You'll have some mijadra, and suddenly you won't be so upset, okay? What? So the question is, the brothers get so angry at Yosef. Why? Either Yosef's going to be the leader, or Yehuda's going to be the leader. What difference does it make to Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Issachar, Zivulun, Gad, Dan, Naphtali, Asher? What difference does it make to all of them? How do they all get sucked into this machloket when, when regardless, they're so worried he's going to lead them. The answer is, Rabotai, that the brothers were not scared that Yosef would lead them. The brothers were scared that Yosef would kick them out, would boot them. Now, although that sounds a little bit outlandish, you have to understand the historical precedent. If you look back one generation, you have two brothers, Yaakov and Esav. Who carries on the Jewish tradition? Yaakov. What happens to Esav? Like they say in, in uh, Arabic, Rahet. He's out. Esav goes to Harseir. He's a nobody. Go back one generation before that. Abraham has two kids, Yitzhak and Yishmael. What happens? One of them carries forward the Jewish dream. What happens to the other one? Ishmael, Rahet, he gets kicked out. The brothers think, one second, that means that the favored son, the right one, the chosen one, Judaism goes on, carries on through him, and everybody else gets sidelined. That's what the great Rogez was of Yosef. They were so angry that he was sidelining them by speaking to their father, by telling stories about them. They thought that this meant that they would be cut out of the Jewish story. Rabotai, now we understand a little bit about what was going on with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu says to his, said, seems to say with his actions, I want to be able to just relax. I want to be able to sit and learn my Torah. I want to be able to just chill. That's a great word, chill. I want to chill. That's what he wanted to say. Comes our Chazal and explains, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not allow Yaakov to just relax. He needed to be struggling. He needed to be working. So what did God do? God showed him through his children the passion and the anger 
and the uh, excitement and the emotion that they had when they thought that maybe Judaism was not going to be their path. When someone sees someone else fighting for Judaism, right? When you see a Baal Teshuvah who doesn't know how to read, he comes to the shul, he's holding the sidur upside down, he's putting the tefillin on, he wants to know how do you make the beracha, what does that mean, what should I think, where should I go? All of a sudden, as a religious Jew, you think to yourself, wow, if I had this kind of dedication. So someone else's emotion to attach themselves to Judaism is a tremendous wake-up call to each and every one of us. Yaakov Avinu says, I want to be able to do all the mitzvot. Hasve Shalom, the biggest tzaddik. All he wanted to do was study Torah and do mitzvot. But God said, that's not enough. If you're not sweating, you're not trying hard enough. Rabotai, when difficulties come our way, it's important to be able to remember and to remind ourselves that we as a Jewish, per, as a Jewish people, it says about us, Yisrael yesh lahem chelek All of the Jewish people have a chelek in the world to come. But what does the word say? Call Yisrael yesh lahem chelek. Yisrael means the name that was given to Yaakov when he was fighting with the angel, when he fought all night, when the angel wanted to leave and Yaakov wouldn't even let him go because he understood the value of the struggle, the power of the fight, of the effort that a person makes in order to be able to be Jewish. Call Yisrael Yeshlem Chelek. Every struggler has a portion in the world to come. If you're not struggling though, you want to be able to have this world and the next? You know, our world today is obsessed with comfort. What do we want? We just want to be sat at home on our couch. You know, you give me a phone, let's take away every possible task you can and automate it so I could do it with the touch of a button. I want to be able to bank with my finger. I want to be able to ride a taxi with my finger. Uh, people should insure their fingers, by the way. Shema Israel, if you, God forbid, lost your fingers, well, how would you do anything in life? You'd be an invalid because you had no finger. You understand? This idea, this is the world that we live in. We crave comfort to such a level that actually, if, we, if, you, if you shake a person from their comfort level, they're already, like, they're losing their minds. But the irony is, what we're being taught over here is, there's always going to be and there always needs to be a struggle. So embrace the struggle you want instead of receiving the struggle you don't. Ultimately, bottom line, God's gonna send you a challenge. It doesn't matter if it's a challenge that you chose, i.e. I'm getting up in the morning early for daf yomi. I'm gonna you know, work on this difficult relationship that I have with my brother. I'm going to do my, you know, work my hardest to be able, you know, to return money that I got 20 years ago that wasn't so clean. I mean, it was, it wasn't, I'm not sure, it depends who you ask, everyone's got the answers, right? If you choose your struggles, you're struggling already. If you don't choose your struggles, what happens? Ultimately, God knows that it is for our benefit to be struggling and working on something. That is the stuff of growth. So wouldn't you rather choose 
Wouldn't you rather get a chance to pick what your challenges would be? And that's what the Gemara, the Mishnah means when the Mishnah says, anyone who has, who places on themselves all Torah, the yoke of Torah, ma'avirin mimenu all derech eretz. We take off of him the yoke of sustaining himself, of parnasah. And some people think that, oh, it's a reward. Like you put yourself on yourself the heaviness of Torah, of studying. So Hashem's going to take off of you all derech eretz because... That's the reward for it. No, it's not the reward. It's that you get to choose which all you want. Which struggle, which suffering, which expenses. You could be spending this money on expenses for tuition, or you could be spending this money on treatments to get healthy. Which do you want? Ultimately, you can't, you can't, you can't have it all. So when you think, it's a beautiful minhag in the Syrian community, the minute anything goes wrong, what do they say? Kapara. Even from the time the kids, kapara, kapara, kapara. My, my, I think I told this to you guys once. My sister was running a day camp and this little girl comes every time she has a beautiful dress. Beautiful, the kid was dressed magnificently from like a, a shop window. And everyone else is, you know, with glue. And this kid is, you know, like this princess walking around, like, like, you know. Anyway, one day, somehow something splashes. She gets on this beautiful dress. She gets paint. So my sister goes running over. And the girl, maybe four, she goes, Kapara! <laughs> so my sister says, you're four years old. What do you know about Kapara? What does Kapara mean? She asked the girl. She says, Kapara means... We got our dress dirty. In other words, the kid had learned from hearing her mother say, every time the dress got dirty, what did the mother say? Kapara. Now the kid rubbed off. Kapara. Now, again, that's a little bit of a shallow example. But the example holds true no matter what. If you're taught all the time that when something goes wrong, you think kapara, that's a, something which is a forgiveness. Or there's something valuable here to, be, you know, to learn, to move forward on, to be able to grow from. If that's something all the time that's said in the house, then the kids pick it up as well. But Rabotai, that starts with you and me. That starts with our outlooks. It's the outlook that you bring home. It's the outlook that you could share with your wife, you could build with your kids, that you are someone who doesn't get phased by challenges. You see the challenges that come, it's fine, it's okay, it's great. We'll be okay. Tomorrow, like I said last night in the shiur, tomorrow will be okay. If you can communicate that all throughout your life, then the challenges that you have obviate and obliviate the need for God to be able to send you ones that you didn't choose. May Hashem bless us throughout our lives with the challenges of choice and through that, the process of uh, continued growth. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve